0: Before we get started with today's episode, I do want to uh, send my condolences to the Russell family and everybody grieving over the passing of Bill Russell. Um, of course, he uh, passed away on Sunday, I believe it was. Um, I had got the notification from my uh, one of my uh, homeboys. Shout out to JT. Who got a, who celebrated a birthday recently, also. Um, I got text message from him. Was like, "Hey, you seen the news?" I'm like, nah, what happened?" He was like, "Bill Russell passed away." I'm like. Nah, that boy joking, but instead so I was like, "Nah, that boy joking," and so I went to Twitter, and literally the first thing I saw was the woe's tweet saying that oh, Bill Russell had passed away, and I'm like, "How did we get here? Literally, how do how did this happen? Like, there's no way that this happened. Apparently, he passed away peacefully, uh, peace, peace of peacefully, and." I just want to just go on a quick spiel before we get into the episode and before something else I want to talk about also with Bill Russell. Um, please, please, please cherish older individuals in your life, older individuals that, you know, have a lot of knowledge that can be brought upon to anybody, really, but especially to the younger generation, i.e. my generation. And like I said, just like, so we can move forward as a, as a society. And I feel like just that simple, that simple of a message can influence a lot, not just with us, not just with, uh, with y'all, but us as, of, as a, uh, as conglomerate, as one human body, like, I feel like there's so much more to learn just as, as a, as a As a society, and a lot of that can be taught by the older generation, and I feel like that that gets lost upon in the thought process of all your old lol. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know nothing about me. But I feel like real spill. Like it, it sucks that it's like this. It took this for me to have to realize this, but I like genuinely. I took. I wouldn't even say took for granted because I, a lot of the, what my grandparents applied to me, I applied to my everyday life. But I still took advantage, uh, took for granted a lot of the little things that my grandparents brought up, uh, that uh brought up for me. I've like I it didn't it took me basically until me becoming a grown man that I even applied a lot of those things that they taught me, and I felt. Like I almost failed them, my entire high school, uh, my entire high school year, because like I said, my grandmother passed away when I was in eighth grade. So from ninth grade to twelfth grade, I feel like I failed because I failed to apply to the to my biggest. Uh, sorry, a little bit off the uh off the dome for this one, but just like to imply like to my utmost capability. I unfortunately like I said it took basically me graduating high school, getting a job, getting a house and having to genuinely appreciate everything that I own because I own and it it it's just it feels that I feel like a lot of this can be applied to the Bill Russell situation also. Now that is being said, I truly, this, that was to speak to the to the casual crowd. I'm speaking this to NBA fans. When something like of this magnitude happens, can we please, as one human body known as the NBA community, can we please stop trying to turn every little, well, this isn't little, but every, just non on non basketball situation into a basketball debate. Can we please do this? Just as a side, can we stop turning this into a basketball debate? If somebody says R. P. Bill Russell one of the true goats of basketball, let's not say I don't care. MJ is better. Law or LeBron better? LOL or Steph Curry better? Whatever. Can we please just stop that? I understand most people in the on NBA Twitter is like thirteen. You're probably going to expect that regardless. But fam, can we please, as a society, just stop? If you take five minutes of your day to act like a semi semi normal human being, I think we can get through to you. Now, granted. A lot of people are thick-headed and probably don't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. I'm going to explain this in even the simplest of terms. Don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant. It's literally that simple. If you ain't going to say RIP Bill Russell, uh, prayers to the families, condolences to all his loved ones, then just shut up and leave. It is that simple. I'm not going to cuss on this podcast because, like I said, we got money to make here. But it is really that simple. Just shut up. Just stop it. If you as just just be a decent human being. It's all we ask of you. I'm not asking you to save the world. I'm not asking you to feed the hungry kids in Africa. I'm not asking you to to end racism. I'm not asking you to, to uh, make a billion dollars in a day. I'm simply just saying, be a decent human being. All we ask of you. Like I said, you can leave. If you're going to be just this piss-poor piss of an individual, you can go. Like we, You don't have to make that public knowledge. We don't care. Mike Tomlin said, we do not care. I promise you, we genuinely don't care. I'm letting you know this now because I see it. I saw it literally for two straight days of Bill Russell RIP posts. On the timeline from Woes, the Shams, the NBA in depth, uh to, to the NBA account itself, NBA history account, the uh, um the Hall of Fame account, literally anything that breathe. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna get replies to, I promise you, I'm gonna get replies saying, Well, if you don't wanna look at the comment, or if you don't wanna see bad comments, just don't open the comment section. Fam, I go to the comment section to see RP. I go to the to the comment section. And see prayers and condolences. I see. I go to the comment section for light-hearted comment. I understand. You yeah, social media. You if you can't handle social media, get off of it, bro. Social media has gotten people comfortable to, to basically to the point where it's like they can say dumb shit and get away with it. You know what? I'm all right. We're gonna cut on the podcast. Forget it. People can say dumb shit and get away with it because oh, you it's on Twitter. They're not gonna find me on Twitter. IP addresses exist, gang. I'm just let you know that IP, IP addresses exist. People will come and find you and beat the dog shit out of you for you saying something stupid on the internet. Just want to point that out. I'm not going to do it because I'm not confrontational. But I, somebody on Twitter has probably gotten whooped for saying something stupid about Bill Russell. Oh, he's overrated. Oh, he played against plumbers. Oh, he played in an era where it doesn't. They, they didn't even have a shot clock. Guess what? We do not care. Guess what, bro? Here's a secret to let out to the entire universe that's going to blow everything out the water. Bill Russell is truly one of the greatest of all time. Is he in my top two? No. Top three? Not really. Top four? Nah. Top five? Potentially. But you can't sit here and tell me that even off the court, Bill Russell ain't influential. On the court, he is, for sure. Like I said, first real elite defensive player of an era. Definitely one of the greatest rebounders of all time. That shouldn't be up for debate. Probably can even say like one of the obviously one of the greatest winners in sports. I'm not talking about basketball. I'm not talking about football. I'm not I'm just I'm not talking about a specific sport I'm just talking about sports in general one of the greatest winners of all time thirteen combined NBA championships between head coaching and, and as a player you cannot tell me this man ain't one of the goats on top of the fact that this man literally did all of what I just told you being one of the greatest rebounders but one of the best def- uh, defensive players, thirteen time NBA champion, perennial all-star in his era. All of that while fighting racism. Tell me that that isn't one of the greatest accomplishments of all time. And I'll show you a lie. This is the guy of an era. And honestly, universally loved. Bill Russell. Universally loved. You can't find a single bad thing to hate this man for other than the color of his skin by a certain group of individuals. I'm not saying white people for the people that's trying to find context clues in what I just said. I did not say white people. I meant racist people. Get it right. I'm telling you this now because something is going to be misinterpreted. Somebody is going to find a reason to hate Bill Russell, and it's literally going to be because of the color of his skin. Bill Russell has never done wrong to any single human being on this planet. Shoot, even the middle finger to Charles Barkley—probably de- Charles Barkley deserved it. Let's keep it a stat. That that SBS moment is an all-timer for all the right reasons. Bill Russell will truly be missed. Of course, like I said earlier, prayers and condolences to the family. Um, obviously, like I said, death is never easy to go through. I've been through more uh, deaths in my family than, or like I said, just my family in general, but also in my friend, homies that I've grown up with. I've experienced death way too much to even want to think about how what another person is going through losing. A husband, a father, a grandfather, a best friend, a teammate, a coach, broadcast partner, Ambassador, like whatever. I would hate to have to have Dick to get that phone call or to see that notification and just say, literally, my heart dropped. I I even talked to my mom about this because, like I said, she called me afterwards. I hadn't felt this bad about passing since Kobe. Like I had not. I've I've I make my R. I. P. posts. Like I saw Scott Hall. Of course, y'all. That one kind of. Took a little bit of buzz. Of course, the Chadwick Boseman death definitely hit, especially the black community. It definitely hit us deep. But I had not felt that emotion since I since I was found out about Kobe, and I still remember exactly where I was with Kobe when uh when when Kobe passed. I remember legit waking up, going to the gym that day. <laughs> which is even crazy to, to say that I was going to the gym that day and I came back home or at, at the time was at the apartment and I was sitting on the floor in my bedroom and I was just literally just scrolling through my phone and all of a sudden I get, I refreshed my feed and I saw I believe it was legal alerts. I believe legal alerts on Instagram had posted. I think it was like Kobe and G, uh, Gianna, uh, Gianna Brian got into a car accident or that's a car accident, Jesus, into a plane accident. And I'm I'm I literally my heart sank. Literally, and then we learned the names of the other victims of uh, the tragedy. And genuinely, like I said, I could not stop crying. I had to go to school the next day and I could not think for, for uh, straight for shit, bro. Girl man, I could I could not hold myself together. I probably went to the bathroom in every single class that I had just to to get my tears out. Because I could not legit and again, I have everybody that I grew up with, family, friends, whatever, that can attest to this. Kobe was my dude growing up. I owned a Kobe Bryant jersey. I legit Was like the. I remember one of the first games I ever watched was the Wizards versus the Lakers. It was Kobe Bryant versus Gilbert Arenas, legit having an all time classic against each other. Legit was my one of my first basketball memories as a kid. I was probably like six or seven, probably younger than that, honestly. I might have been like five, but legit Kobe was my dude as a kid. A lot of people had LeBron. You know, older people had MJ. I was in the middle and I had Kobe. Nobody touched Kobe as a kid. Kobe was my goat when I was like eight years old. Of course, everybody gets in, you know intelligent. And then, you know, you start making a more sophisticated basketball debates. But for me, Kobe was that dude. And nobody touched Kobe. So when I saw Kobe Bryant had passed away, legit, had me rocked for about 3 to 4 days sat at home and watched the the Kobe Bryant tribute or the 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 memorial and I I could not hold myself together I legit can I legit couldn't and then to just magnify that when I saw Bill Russell and like I said Bill Russell was a cultural icon he was a pioneer in in racial equality it was genuinely the the most the the hardest thing that I had to encounter for the vast majority of like said, of twenty twenty two so far. And like I said, we've been through a lot as a, as a as a as a nation, and as just as a as a planet in general, we have been through a lot. But this hit harder than almost anything. So with that being said. Um, I would like to get into the episode. Like I said, condolences to uh to the his wife, his children, grandchildren. Like I said, family, teammates, coaches, whatever. I believe now it's just uh Sat Sanders and Bob Cousy are like the last surviving members of like those late uh Celtics teams. So or those early Celtics teams, which is it's it's sad to think about. Like they all go. One behind the other, but like it's just it's just crazy to think about, man. So, like I said, uh, prayers to family, friends, all loved ones. Hope you do get through this. Yo, welcome to the. 134th episode of the Zekoma podcast. Yes, I remember the number. I promise y'all I remember the number. Um before we get started, if I sound like ass right now, it's literally because I have been All right. Man. We're going to get into this part. All right, so yesterday, obviously, was a podcast day. By the way, I'm recording this August 3rd, which is a Wednesday. This was originally supposed to be a Tuesday episode. Of course, I had gone to, uh, gone to the gym, like I usually do on my Tuesdays. Go to the gym, and then I come back, record a uh, shower, record the pod, take probably like a thirty minute nap, and go about my merry day. Well, yesterday, like I said, went to the gym, came back around three o'clock ish. I left it around like eight thirty, came back, came back at about three, and I okay. <laughs> Because this is a funny situation. So, in here in Florida, we've had thunderstorms probably for the past, like, week. So, my power is going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So, my PC ha- has shut down twice in the last 24 hours, or in the previous 24 hours. And it was a... Okay. So, when I, I'm trying to explain this in a way that doesn't sound convoluted as hell. But, so, basically, like I said, I restart my PC... I get to recording the episode. This is probably like nine o'clock at night, maybe that I'm doing this. It does not work. Like literally, I had recorded probably forty minutes worth of audio. I had done the reviews, like the first two reviews, and it was literally in the middle of the third review when I <laughs> when I I don't think I, I might have stopped to like open my door or something, like. But I went. I came back, and I w- went to like. Like I said, whatever I went to go, I think I went to go open the door. And I came back to the PC, and I was like, all right, I forgot where I was when I was recording, so let me go check. Literally, no audio. I'm livid. I am livid. Like I said, I'm in the house by myself, so it's like, I, like I'm screaming, I'm I'm just going all kind of wild, crazy, and I'm like, God, this, this is the most annoying thing ever. Literally the most annoying thing ever, where it's like, all I'm trying to do is get a halfway decent episode out for y'all, and there's no audio. Like I said, it's almost 40 minutes worth of audio. I had done a full Bulls uh, pr- uh, review. I had done a full Jazz review, and was literally in the middle of talking about the Cavs bringing back Rookie Rubio being a W, and there's zero, and like I said, there's just no audio. You hear none of it. I would if I had not stopped, basically if I didn't go to open my door, chances are probably... Uh, don't even uh recognize it, and I'm putting out a full episode like I'm going into the editing process and me realizing I have zero audio to edit because there's no audio that is beyond annoying to me like I said it was legit, I think because I had gone to about the thirty eight minute por- portion of the episode around the thirty eight minute por- portion. And like I said, you know, the ads obviously is like a minute and a half. Uh, intro is probably like 20 seconds. So, yeah, around 40 minutes worth of of audio, Although 40 minutes into the podcast, and realized I have zero audio. And so now I am up at currently 517 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, 517 AM Eastern Standard Time, August 3rd, recording this episode for y'all. Because a, I need to make money, and B, I love you all this much. So <laughs> now that we got that explanation out the way, all right, so like I said, basically to sum up a lot of what we talked about, Chicago, I gave Chicago an overall B. It was their their additions were kind of like C plus B minus, but it definitely brought up a. Like I said, Tristan Thompson was like a nothing for them, so I'm glad they kind of let him walk. Um, And the fact that, like, they can – and like I said, they got a, a W in drafting Dalen Terry and a W in uh, signing Zach Levine to the, to the the max contract that he got. That's what both – are W moves from Chicago. And to be honest, I can see them being – like I said, the, them being a succeed again, I 100%. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility anymore that they could be a succeed. Uh, I can say the same thing around uh, about another team we could talk about later, but um, like I said, there's plenty of of excitement in Chicago. Like I said, I even like them bringing back Derrick Jones Jr. I think that brings you, a, you a good enough um a good enough what's the word I'm looking for uh versatility uh, on the in the front court, especially at the fourth position where he can play he can guard both bigs and wings, He even guards to an extent also. He can guard. Uh, a game. he's a good slash, slasher, good cutter. Uh, on offense, So it's like you get decent athleticism at the four position. Around six, 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 seven. Um, and like I say, it's a minimal piece, and it's not like they gave him fifteen million a year for to him be a raw prospect. He's like eight million a year, maybe. Like I don't like that's not too bad of a uh, of a of a gift from Chicago. Like I said. The Dale and Terry pickup, along with, like, a lot of the young guys that's coming up, like uh, Kobe White, I would assume, new Marco Semenovic, Like, I am I love the Chicago Bulls team. And like I said, they already have Zoe. They already have Zach, obviously DeRose, and P. Uh, P- Will. I'm still very much suspect of uh, Nikola Vucevic being starting center and Andre Drummond being the backup doesn't necessarily upgrade your defense. So, like, they definitely, I think they're going to have to take a look somewhere for a, a defensive big man. That could be available. Maybe if a trade does uh, happen, maybe like uh, a Derrick Jones Jr. for um, JaVale McGee's like flop or uh, I said flop uh, flip at the deadline. Maybe that's like, that's a move that I feel like Chicago could make. Do they make that? I I don't mind it. I really don't. I doubt Dallas would give up on uh, JaVale McGee this early, but if Dallas doesn't necessarily need JaVale McGee, but and, – and Dallas, to me, does need more perimeter defense. Like, Reggie Bullock's a plus defender. I'd even say Dorian Fitty smith is a really good defender. But I think they need more defenders, and Derrick Jones Jr. is the more defender. Granted, he takes away from the shooting aspect, but you're giving up JaVale McGee, who's not a shooter anyway. So, not necessarily a big loss there for Dallas. So, all in all, I think that that trade would probably be a, a, good, a good move to make towards the uh, trade deadline, which – Granted, that's what six months from now. So it's like they, they don't really have to think about uh, trade deadlines per se. But just as a, a thought process, like going out and get a def- that's like the, the cheapest defensive big man I, I can think of at think of the top of my head. Like, there's like not a whole lot of teams really even have a defensive, uh, a good defensive big man that's cheap. Like, every good defensive big man, like I said, is so invaluable. So it's like guys like Rudy Gobert is making 40, 50 M's a year. Same thing with like Miles Turner, he was, he's making about twenty million a year. Like there's those kind guy of guys don't come easy, so it's like you are gonna have to. Those guys are already paid, and like unless they're gonna go invest in a younger a younger guy like a Walker Kessler, if Utah doesn't necessarily see see uh like uh All Star potential in, in Walker Kessler, if he ends up in Chicago, which is something I low key kind of wish happened uh come around the draft point anyway. Even though I had him going to Minnesota, Minnesota was which was a W for me. I just I still think that he could have fit a lot better in Chicago. Cause like I said, they need defensive bigs. They need defense, period. Like I said, outside of Zoe and Caruso, their defense is very much limited. Like Pat Will is a good defender, but he can't carry a defense. He's shown that he can't carry the defense. Lonzo and Caruso carried that defense last year. They were with top five in the in in the NBA when it, when it came to defense before Zoe went down and then Caruso went down and that's kind of what their downfall was was their defense being that bad and they were in a bunch of shootouts that DeMar DeRozan literally had to hit game winners for so it's like they that was a, a huge huge uh um negative for them last year and i feel like they kind of tried to 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 take advantage of that by bringing back Derrick Jones Jr. I don't see Derek Jones Jr. cracking the immediate rotation for them come uh, come October. So, like I said, with that being said, I, like I said the W for bringing back Zach Levine, W for bringing in Goran Dragic. I think, like I said, that's another uh, floor general y'all can have, especially with Ayotasanu, who's not necessarily an elite playmaker. He's more of a defensive minded guy, and uh, Kobe White, who's more of a scorer. You kind of need that playmaker off the bench, and I think Goran Dragic does fit that to a T. Um like I said the Dalen Terry draft uh draft pick that's a W like say you got a little combo guard there. guy that can score got that could uh, play make a little bit not and uh, not at a great level in the NBA but it's definitely a guy that did it uh, pretty good in college I just think like like I said he's probably just a a couple of years away from really cracking the Chicago rotation all in all like I said I like Caruso like I said the bench is not bad the bench is genuinely not bad like I love I, I love Kobe I like uh, Caruso even like Javante Green, I like he's a dog. He is a dog. He's gonna go down there and bang with, uh, bang with centers. And like I, I genuinely, I love those type of dudes, bro. Like those that just don't care. They're like six three, six four, but they don't care. They are gonna, they to uh, hit the glass with guys that's like six eleven, seven feet tall, and is usually gonna come down with a rebound because they, like I said, they just got more heart. Like the, the Chicago Bulls rotation is is fun if nothing else. They're energetic. I just wish it could lead to a much more successful, something much more successful than a first round exit. But like I said, with that being said, I do genuinely mess with this team so bad. I just really wish this team was good enough to for me to buy into them. They're a good five, six seed. But all in all, I'm just not. I'm not seeing second round for Chicago Bulls this year. But like I said, anything could happen in the NBA. Speaking of anything can happen in the NBA, segue to the Utah Jazz, nobody thought that they were going to get the the assets they got back from Rudy Gobert. Any anything can happen in the NBA. They got assets for Rudy Gobert. I can read you Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Le- Leandro Balmaro, uh Jerry Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, and four first round picks for Rudy Gobert. And again, the Utah Jazz have gotten way over their head. Now they're asking for eight first round picks for Donovan Mitchell plus young talent. Nah, that's not how we do. But, all in all, this has been a... This has been a... Even if they don't trade Donovan Mitchell and they just run this team that they have currently, this has been a W offseason for the Utah Jazz. Like I said, they had signed zero free agents, but the trades... Assets that they got back—they got Patrick Beverly, who's a quality starter in the NBA. They got Malik Beasley, who's an absolute sniper off the bench. They got leandro Balbaro, Walker Kessler, two guys who are currently prospects. Jared Vanderbilt, who's quietly one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and should be recognized as such. And four potential hits at the on first-round picks for Rudy Gobert, who's currently thirty, 30 about to be thirty-one, in on well, a Minnesota team that, to me, has a ceiling. I think that's an absolute W from the Utah Jazz. Now, where do they go from here? I do think a Donovan Mitchell trade should be on the horizon. I don't think it will happen, but I think it should happen. I think, you know, if if you feel like in your heart of hearts that you can't win with Donovan Mitchell, you trade Donovan Mitchell and get as many assets as you possibly can because you don't want to wait three years and Donovan Mitchell, knock on wood, has an injury and his value is not nearly where it was. I'm specifically looking at you, Isaiah Thomas. Like, if you – I just really, really wish that they could just – like, that the Utah Jazz would just trade Donovan Mitchell. So like I said, just hit the reset. You're not winning with him. You have, honestly, a better chance of winning without him five, ten years down the line where most of your uh, the people that you got back in the trade – are still in the league. Malik Beasley will probably still be in the league. Patrick Beverly he probably won't be in the league if we're being honest with each other. But like Jared Vanderbilt will still be a top guy in the NBA. Walker Kessler is probably still going to be in the NBA. Leandre Bob Morrow may or may not be in the NBA, but either way, you still got a first round. Uh, he's still a first round pick, so he'll probably get a couple of chances. And again, you got four potential prospects. And like I said, no, who knows what will happen with this Timberwolves team in five years? Five years ago, the Timberwolves were just trading for Jimmy Butler. That was forever ago. Jimmy Butler has been on two teams in the NBA uh since then and has been to the finals once and has been damn near to the finals another time. So any like I said, like we said earlier, anything could happen in the NBA. Like I said, with the Utah Jazz though, I'm genuinely curious what uh, this roster looks like next year. Do they keep Pat Bev or do they buy him out? And he goes allegedly goes back to the Lake or goes to the Lakers. <laughs> Y'all funny. Uh, I'm yeah. Y'all are funny when when it came to uh to him saying buy him out, he can go to the Lakers. Now, if he's getting bought out by a team, I think he goes to a team that's not the Los Angeles Lakers. Just as a a, a bold prediction, a, a world shattering prediction, he ain't going to, to the Lakers, bro. I'm just being honest with you. He ain't going to the Lakers. I th- I can honestly see him potentially going to Philly if not if nothing else. I think he joins the, the Rockets Brigade there, which we can segue to Rockets Brigade uh, with one of the, the guys to the Utah Jazz lost, in Daniel House. And this entire probe investigation, I don't think we talked about this on the last episode, but we are go- definitely going to talk about this on this episode. Why? Literally why? Like, we have, have, are we come, have we come this far as an NBA fandom where this is serious? The James Harden taking a pay cut is this, is this illegal act and should be abolished and the 76ers should no longer be an NBA team because of this. Is this what we're doing now? I just want to know what are the, the, uh, the parameters of, 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 uh, what's the, the phrase they're using? Um, Tampering. My bad. What is the parameters of tampering? Because Jalen Brunson's, and I've I've said I said this back pre in pre free agency. We and Orion literally talked about this on the body on the was his free agency preview episode. I don't remember which, but it was the day it was the night before free agency, and I was like. The Knicks signing Jalen or getting Jalen Brunson's dad as the assistant coach, who is a legitimate assistant coach. He's not like, oh, um, uh, we're only hiring. He's not like, it's not like hiring LeVar Ball. Like, he's literally the guy that, that, uh, like he's legit and a, a legitimate assistant coach. But Jalen Brunson's dad being hired with a week and a half before free agency, and all of a sudden the Knicks have cleared $23 million in cap space by sending Alec Burks and Nerland's Noel to the Pistons. And now they have them the max money to go get Jalen Brunson. Nobody sees the suspect in that statement. Now, that's perfectly fine. You hire somebody's, uh, somebody's father specifically to entice them to come to your organization. That's perfectly fine. But the minute, and I mean the minute... Literally, the minute James Harden takes a pay cut, people are upset or people have are up in arms because James Harden took a pay cut to sign P.J. Tucker, which granted, P.J. Tucker is an A-plus role player in the NBA and absolutely deserves every last bit of respect necessary. But you can't tell me in your heart of hearts, in your mind of minds, in your body of bodies, in your soul of souls, that P.J. Tucker is this big of a threat to where we're holding a nationwide investigation on if the 76ers tampered with James Hart or tampered to bring in P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Not Jalen Brunson's father being hired. Not Woj tweeting out 14 people signing a contract with the Lakers one minute into free agency. But James Harden taking a pay cut, and I'm not even a 70. I'm not a 76ers fan. I'm not defending the 76ers whatsoever. It's as simple as common sense. If this James Harden taking a pay cut for PJ Tucker thing is 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 uh being investigated, I think the Jalen Brunson and uh being uh Rick Brunson being hired for Jalen Brunson's uh mat, for Jalen Brunson max contract, I think that should also be investigated. I think Damian Jones, Malik Monk, or not Malik Monk, uh, Lonnie Walker, um. Who was it? Uh, Troy Brown Jr. who We forgot to uh, talk about as a loss for the Chicago Bulls. Um, who else did the Lakers sign that that first day? Uh, oh, wait, was was Thomas Bryant the first? I don't think Thomas Bryant was the first day. I think he was like day three or whatever. But like all of those dudes signing at like six oh one and Wolves tweeting it that that doesn't get an investigation. But James Harden taking a pay cut is. I find that mighty interesting, I'm just saying, I find that mighty interesting. But anyways, back to the Utah Jazz, I'm sorry, I had to, I had to get that spill out there bro, because that has lived rent-free in my head for the absolute longest. That has lived rent-free in my head, because why? Just that's just weird to me. Anyways, to the Utah Jazz, I I don't see them being a playoff team this year. I don't even see them being good this year. I just like it's. You're supposed to take a step back with a, uh, a situation like this. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm totally not against it. I'm honestly for. If you can't win currently, you build to the future, and I think the Jazz have finally recognized that. Probably two years too late, to be honest. But they recognized that nonetheless, they have recognized that they just can't win right now. And that's perfectly fine. Teams should recognize that. Like, I'm trying to think of a team currently right now. Like, if you can't win right now, then just build to the future. Like, Atlanta kind of did the same thing. It was like, Atlanta, they recognized the current core uh, isn't necessarily going to get uh, cut it. So they shopped John Collins. Granted, nobody took an offer. Same thing with Clint Capella; They tried to basically shop him for Rudy Gobert. That didn't uh, go through. So they went and got DeJounte Murray. They went and got better. Um, Miami, I think, probably is going to be the next team to take that to uh, take that advice. I feel like if they don't win or if they're not in the conference finals this year, you might have to explore Jimmy Butler trades. Not saying that Jimmy Butler is a bad player. He's a really good player. He's an all-star. Even a, in, I'd say he's... Super, almost superstar level. But I think if you are, like I said, if you're not winning right now, then, or if you're not in a position to win a championship, which Miami, after losing PJ Tucker, might not be in that position no more, I think you have to explore some trades. I'm just sitting here thinking in my head, is there any other team that could, I mean, the Lakers are like the dead obvious one, but it's like, they're just too stubborn to feel to realize that they're not a contender. Um, I don't see any Denver, I don't see I don't even see that being a situation because like Denver, I think, still has some legs with this Murray uh Porter and Jokic trio. Although I've expressed in my head if Kevin Durant isn't trading the next year, the next year they're gonna have to uh explore some Kevin Durant for uh Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> um centering around that kind of trade package something around there that's that was just my uh my thought process of it from uh from just my point of view you no know, i think my point of view doesn't matter but i'm just saying it's just like i say if, if a trade doesn't happen in the next year i feel like a michael Porter Jr. thing could be on the horizon in in 2023 but like i said that's just me um the indiana pacers nah i wouldn't say the pacers are uh or team. I mean, the, the Pacers recognized that for sure. They, they absolutely did that. They traded Sabonis. They traded Brogdon. They traded uh, Warren. Or they let Warren walk. I mean, I'm trying to think. That, was there anybody else on that team? Oh, they, of course they traded Oladipo the year before, but that's. They also traded Carousel Vert, too, which they didn't really. Did they even get anything out of that Carousel Vert trade? Which, granted, they probably shouldn't have because Carousel Vert was sucked on the Cavs. But. I, like, is. I don't think they really got. They got Ricky Rubio in, I think maybe a second round pick, but then Ricky Rubio ended up going back to the Cavs anyway. So they like say they basically just got a second round pick out of it, which again is probably about value, uh, market value for Karis Levert at this point because Karis Levert just isn't. He just he wasn't good. I'm I'm just put it that way. He just wasn't good on the Cavs. But shit, um, <laughs> I just had completely zoned out there. But like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of 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 uh. A backdraft. Uh, somebody else that can uh, take uh, notice from the Detroit Pistons also did that, which uh, I don't know why we always end up bringing up the Pistons on this podcast, but the Detroit Pistons, like I said, Dre, Blake, Reggie Jackson, obviously wasn't a contender. So we bought our Reggie Jackson, traded Andre Drummond for a second-round pick, which people laughed at us, by the way, for trading him for a second-round pick, and now look at him. He's a backup center on the Chicago Bulls, was a backup center on the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, was a starter in Brooklyn, but was not a good starter in Brooklyn. We'll put it that way. He just—he was just way too bad. He, we recognized his value was not good, so we just straight up got rid of him before we had to pay him twenty-eight million dollars in his final year of his contract. There you go. Oh yeah, and bought out Blake Griffin too. niggas like said, and we slowly, not even slowly, in two years, has turned this franchise around. We traded Drummond in February, February of twenty twenty. February of 2020 was when the drumming for a second round pick trade happened and Reggie Jackson get got bought out like a week and a half later. Right before the pandemic, Blake Griffin got bought out a year ago. If that's if that's an indicator or he got bought out no, he got bought out in in November or like late 2020 or maybe it was like early 2021, but it was it was in 2020 2021 season. He got bought out. And this team was genuine. Like we we were hot garbage for a year. We were competitive competitively bad for the second year. I think we'll be slightly better than competitively competitively bad this year. I can see us probably or see Detroit being like a thirty two to thirty three win team, which is an improvement. Which in the East could get you a eleven seed. You know, I mean the East isn't bad. I mean let me stop I'm talking like it is. But I'm saying like it's. I can totally see that being a a, a feasible opportunity for, because like I said, realistically, I think we're better than Orlando. I think we can even be better than the Knicks. Honestly, I'm not saying the Knicks are hot garbage, but the Knicks I think are a little bit too on the overrated. Sorry, side for me. Um, probably will be better than the Pacers this year. I think this is like the the genuine tank gear for the Pacers. Um, it's just like the Wizards. Even like I don't buy the Wizards nearly as much as a lot of people have bought the Wizards. They're just not. I don't see. This is just a hodgepodge of people that they got. They have way too much in their backcourt. It went. We'll talk about the Wizards four weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the Wizards at literally the very end of this podcast, which or the very end of this series, which is scheduled to be August 26th. By the way, I literally did the math on a piece of notebook paper, but literally did the math and it ends on August 26th. But yeah, like I said, the Wizards just don't, like anyways. I am going to let you I just don't see them being near, being nearly as good as they're advertised to be. But I do want to talk about being good as advertised. The Cleveland Cavaliers, man. This has been a very interesting offseason for Cavs for two reasons. Reason number one is that they got arguably the steal of the draft in Oshay Abaji at 14, I believe it was. 14 15, 14 I believe it. Yes, yeah, it 14. But, like I said, they got Oshay Abaji and then free agency hit, and quietly, very much quietly, they kind of, they they didn't make a splash in free agency, but they got two really solid pickups that are going to go under the radar because of, like I said, it's just not, they aren't names that you scream, oh, wow, that's a game-changing pickup from the Cleveland Cavaliers there, but... Picking up Ricky Rubio, or should I say, should I say, bring it back, bring it back, Ricky Rubio, was one heck of a move, bro. Like I said, with the Cavs last year, once Colin Sexton went down, Ricky Rubio was that dude for the Cavs, bro. Like him and Garland were quietly playing, like one of the best backcourts in the Eastern Conference. And it's a shame that, of course, the ACL terror happened and that Ricky Rubio just. Ricky Rubio has gone through a whole uh, string of bad luck in his career, which sucks because Ricky Rubio is a damn talented player. And he, I feel like, deserves the respect as such. But, of course, not only that, they brought in Rolo, baby. They were able to get Rolo and (sighs) How do I put this? He's going to (laughs) be... Robin Lopez is quietly one of the best leaders in the NBA. And I feel like an only young team like the Cavs where Evan Mobley's so young, Jared Allen's so young, Laurie's still young, uh, Garland's obviously still young, Sexton, if he's back, is still young, Coral, you need that veteran leadership. And they got Kevin Love in there, who's a, a pretty solid leader, I'll say that, like I said, he does have his moments where he kind of goes off the deep end, but for the most part, I do value him as a leader on a franchise like the Cleveland Cavaliers, but... Robin Lopez is a guy that you don't have to pay $30 million to to be a solid leader on the team. So that's a W pickup, like I said, in my opinion. And even drafting Isaiah Mobley, more of just like a, a morale thing for uh, Evan Mobley. I just – I personally do like that pickup for uh, – I just wish – and this is – it's kind of selfish on my end because, like I said, I'm just that kind of a person – um I really wish that Evan Mobley went to, or uh, Isaiah Mobley went to literally any other team. Because I'll, and again this is for multiple reasons that kind of are just funny to me. His best season in college was without his brother. Based translation, he's his best player when he's not playing with his brother. And now he's playing with his brother and he's probably not going to see a like a of, uh, of playing time. His fresh his rookie year, because of Cle- the fact that Cleveland has so many bigs. They got Laurie, they got Evan Mobley, they got Allen, they got Rolo, they got Kevin Love, and Dean Wade still on the roster. Um, they're probably going to pick up. An- oh, well, of course, Robin. Uh, we just mentioned Robin Lopez, but they're going to pick up. They're probably going to pick up another big man. Uh, Davis is still. I think they still have his bird rights. He can easily still be back on the roster. Like, they have plenty of bigs on this Cavs team. And honestly, they just have plenty of bodies on this cast, too. Cause even the backcourt, we uh is very much crowded in Cleveland. <laughs> like I said, they got the Garland and Ruby on the backcourt, they got uh Sexton still who's still a free agent, they got Okoro, who's kind of switched between two and three for most of his career, to be fair. Um they got uh like I said, they just picked up Rubio, they picked up a also in free agency, which is a solid pickup. He's not a bad basketball player. He's just more, I like him more on the defensive side of the ball, anyway. Um, like I said, the Cavs just have plenty of carousel LeVert. We've just mentioned we have I've failed to mention he's probably going to be the sixth man on this team. This team is very, very stacked, and I'm I'm worried for a couple of reasons. Why? Uh, I'm I'm worried for this Cavs team because this team doesn't necessarily scream ceiling. Or the screen high ceiling. I love Darius Garland as a player. I think he's the next coming to Chris Paul in my uh, in my honest god opinion. I think Evan Mobley even like I said he has very shades of young Anthony Davis in his game. But I don't necessarily see this team being the end all be all. Like at the end of this 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 run that they have, I don't see a ring on on Evan Mobley like or I don't see a trophy on on uh, the Cavs banner. I just don't see it. It sucks because, like I said, not obviously not every team can win a championship, and every team every team is either built to be a contender or have the young talent to be a contender in five years. And it's gonna suck that one of these the, a lot of these teams ain't gonna win the ch- title. Teams are gonna win multiples. The Warriors are still gonna be elite. The um the Thunder have built a legit god squad in Oak, in Oklahoma City right now. Uh, Minnesota they are uh banking up to win a championship. Um. Like I said, the, the the Rockets are quietly one of the best young cores in the game. I could even say the same thing about uh like um about Memphis. Like they have, there's plenty of teams out there that can that have uh, all the talent in the world, all the coaching in the world that to get them to the promised land is just not a lot of them going to get to the play. And that's just in the Western Conference that we're mentioning this. We're not even talking about the Eastern Conference where it's with Cleveland. They got Boston, who's still going to be almighty, even with where some of the old guys is going to be out there in a little bit. Uh, I'm fully, fully expecting Philly to be a contender this year. I can even see uh, a team like uh, Atlanta, they can take the next jump, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But even, honestly, even like a team like Brooklyn, if they can get their guys, like, mentally ready to play next season, don't be, it's still Kevin, I understand name value doesn't necessarily equal success anymore. But it's still Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and a revamped Ben Simmons. If he's if he's back. I know he had the back surgery, but if he is, if he's ready to go, a revamped Ben Simmons with a host of guys that they picked up this offseason, which again we'll talk about in about five episodes, I believe. Because like so this is what Atlanta that we'll get we'll get into with Miami, I believe. Oh no! Sorry, Jesus Christ. We talk about Miami. It, Miami. Um, we're getting to Boston, and then at, in Atlanta, and then Miami, Charlotte, Knicks, Magic. Five episodes of uh, until we get to Brooklyn. But for the most part, like I said, we are probably going to talk about that in the near future. But anyways, back to Cleveland. Um, like I said, they have plenty of guys, and again, that's not even Roger and Rondo potentially having to uh making another comeback. If he's retired, retired ring, let's just say, more power to him, Hall of Fame point guard. But if he does decide to make a one more comeback, I did not hate him with the Cavaliers as a backup point guard last year. Once uh Ricky Rubio went down, they traded for him and he was he was at best serviceable or at worst serviceable and at best really solid. Improved obviously improved shooter at the back the back half of his career. And now that like I said, he's got a simplified role, just playmaker. An occasional shooter when we need you to I think he could fit just about anywhere well except for maybe the Lakers um and like I said there's a giant question mark on Colin Sexton right now if Colin Sexton is back this is the perfect offseason if he's if he, he's gone for nothing I'm a little bit disappointed if he's gone like in a signing trade that's an even bigger W because I think that gives Colin Sexton the ball more, and you get assets back for a guy that somebody clearly is deemed as, as valuable because you're uh probably you're probably going to be uh, stuck in that kind of situation, or you're going to be like I said stuck in a situation where you have to trade him. Might as well give him, uh, get some value out of him, and a, a team definitely is going to give up a decent amount for uh, Colin Sexton. I don't necessarily see Dallas like he's been rumored for. I personally wanted him to go to San Antonio so bad, but even San Antonio, I don't see having the. Uh, well, they have the cap space. I just don't think they have the the spots available at the guards position because they got Trey Jones, so they're still building up as a uh, as a guy. Josh Primo, they're trying to up as a as more of a playmaker than a scorer. Um, but he's more of a scorer now, but I think he can be more of a playmaker. Um, and like I said, they're going to have another draft pick where they can go get a point guard, and Colin Sexton might not be on their radar anymore, which in that case, I don't know who he goes to as the as a point guard. No other team is looking for a point guard right now. Washington apparently found their franchise point guard in DeLon Wright, and <clears throat> Monte Morris. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's a situation that goes on there. But yeah, outside that, there isn't a team that's looking for a franchise point guard in the NBA right now. Maybe. Be Miami if a situation comes about, but like even then, do is Kyle Lowry uh, do the Heat cat and or, a do the Cavs want Kyle Lowry? No, but do and do the Heat give up Kyle Lowry for Colin Sexton? They probably won't. So that's probably out the window. And like I said, there's no other team that's looking for a starting point guard. Your your ass out at that point. Like where do you where do you go from here? Where do you go from here if you're Colin Sexton? You just take that qualifying offer, and hopefully you build your value back up for next season. That's about all you can really ask for. As opposed to for departures, for the, like actual departure for the Cavs, nothing too big. I wish they used Moses Brown more, but I think that was more of the OKC year. is, is looking more and more like a, a, an anomaly with a bunch of dudes just gone, like or a bunch of dudes that just are a bunch of teams that don't want him anymore. Boston uh waved him, Dallas waved him, uh um uh the, the Cavs let him walk. He's he and Clip Clippers signed him. Hopefully the Clippers get some use out of him. I just I don't know if he will get some use out of or get some use, which sucks because like I say, he's a very talented big man and has a lot of uh potential, like I said, as a a rebounder and a shot blocker. But that might just be me. Now Every episode is going to have a controversial take on it. Last week, or not last week, Jesus Christ, well I guess it technically it was last week. Friday, we said that the Memphis Grizzlies were going to be on a decline. This episode, Sacramento Kings will be in the playing. You heard it here first, you probably will hear it here last. The Sacramento Kings will be in the play-in. Do I think they guarantee a playoff? That remains to be seen. There's plenty of teams that come back healthy and plenty of teams that will be pretty good next year, even if they're injured. The Sacramento Kings. This could not have been any better of an offseason for them. Do I like De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis being your two best players? Absolutely not, y'all know my hatred for Demontis Sabonis goes back to his uh his uh, Indiana days. I love De'Aaron Fox. I just wish he was able to develop a jump shot, a consistent jump shot. Kevin Herder, Malik Monk, and Keegan Murray solve all of De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis shooting woes. Kevin Herter, elite shooter in Atlanta. I think he can be an even more elite shooter playing with multiple good playmakers as opposed to just one truly elite playmaker in Trey Young. Malik Monk was a steal from the Lakers, and I'm genuinely upset that the Lakers didn't bring him back. Maybe he didn't want to go back, but I'm genuinely, like, I wouldn't even say surprised, but, like, it just sucks that he didn't go back. Keegan Murray, say what you want about him as a draft pick. I genuinely had, I did not want, like, I was so happy that the Kings took him because I wanted Jaden Ivey so, so bad in my backcourt. But I'm not that, I don't I don't hate Keegan Murray whatsoever. I genuinely don't. I don't, I don't like Keegan Murray. Did I just didn't think he fit the timeline in Detroit. But I don't hate him as a player. I think he can be a really good player. He's definitely going to be a starter day one. At least I hope he is. He brings great value on the perimeter. Defense is a little, you know, it's, I mean, he's a he was a good defender in college. I just don't think it will translate to the league. And even though, like I said, the playmaking is a little bit to be desired, but the shooting, the scoring is there. And I just really wish that this was <laughs> – I really wish that this pans out for the Kings just for Sacramento Kings fans' sake. Because if Keegan Murray is a knock on wood, if he's a bust and Jaden Ivey turns into a 15-time All-Star, then the Kings are going to like literally, the Kings fans are going to be on Suicide Watch. Also, apparently, like <laughs> I saw the news of his trial, but I didn't think he actually got signed. I'll literally I went to I believe Sport Track when I uh when uh I was looking for additions and subtractions. Apparently, the Kings signed Matt Delevadova. I don't remember them actually signed. I knew he was in California for a workout, and I saw the tweet of him going or being there for a workout. I did not know that he actually got signed. So, shout out to Matt Gotta be What 34, 35 at this point. Getting an NBA contract. Dante DiVincenzo, though. Big loss for the Sacramento Kings. Unfortunately, like I said, he's going to the Warriors basically on the cheap. And he's, <laughs> I saw the statement too, where it's like, you're going to be so disgusted how Dante DiVincenzo and Jamichael Green fit in the Warrior system. And I had no choice but to agree with it. Like, come on, bro. These two are already high IQ basketball players, already skilled basketball players, and not in the Warrior system. They are in probably the best system in basketball, the best offense ran in basketball, the best defensive ran, uh, team in basketball, under one of the best coaches in basketball. They're going to fit disgustingly well in this offense. That let's just say that, Jamich- that that Green on the back of Jermichael Green's jersey is going to is is a good fit for sure. I'm just putting it out there. But what a jump shot, of course. Um, and Nante DiVincenzo, like I said, he's even got a decent jump shot on him. These was 30 foot the shot, with 35% from three last year? And he's playing next to Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Moody, and you now was a pretty solid uh three-point shooter. Poole obviously is a better, way better shooter. Come on, bro. That way he's gonna be shooting fifty percent. He gonna be open. No, he's gonna be open the entire the entire season. Andrew Wiggins was an all star just off shooting the open court the threes. Dante Divincenzo could probably do the same thing. I'm um, just I'm messing with y'all. Andrew Wiggins is a good player, and shout out to him winning a championship. But of course, we can talk about the Kevin Herter trade. Obviously, Mo Harkless, Justin Holiday, and I believe a first round pick was also involved in this trade. I might be uh, that might just be my memory though. Um, w on both sides. Honestly, like the Hawks got off of the Herder contract, they got two solid uh, guys that are on expiring deals, and guys that fit way ne- way better next to Trey Young than Kevin Herder. Kevin Herder was a good shooter. Don't get it twisted. But they got guys that can play defense. Atlanta something something Atlanta desperately needed in Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, both guys that can really play defense and guys that can that can hit corner threes. That's basically all you need playing with Trey Young. And I think those are a W pickup for Atlanta. Obviously, there's a W pickup for the Kings, too, because they got the best player in the deal. And like with with that, like I said, there's potential there with the Kings. There's potential. I'm saying this is probably a ninth seed, but this is the best ninth seed team that the Kings have had since forever. The best the, the best Kings team that they've had since they were last in the playoffs. I have that feeling, the gut feeling if they're going to be a play-in or play-off team, it is going to be this season. Now, of course, a couple other people they lost. Josh Jackson is a free agent. Jeremy Lambs a free agent. And Damian Jones, who is also, he's a Laker. Interesting behavior that he signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I I was surprised because the Lakers did not value him while he was there the first time. Similar to a Another person they brought back, which was Thomas Bryant, wasn't really valued as a Laker. Really young bigs in general aren't valued by the Lakers. Zubak wasn't valued by the Lakers. Julius Randle wasn't really valued by the Lakers. Plenty of the bigs weren't valued by the Los Angeles Lakers. And now the Lakers are look we're looking for bigs last year. They got two that probably won't see the floor more than 15 minutes a game. Unfortunately, that's just the territory when it comes to playing with the Lakers. Um, It hurts. But, yeah, uh, hopefully he does have a good season. I put that in quotations, a good season. As in, he's efficient, blocks a shot or two, and just doesn't get hurt. That's basically all I'm really asking. Because, like I said, he's not going to be a key piece to the Lakers. Even if the Lakers are good, he's not going to be a key piece to this team. But it hurts, though. Like I said, it it hurts that he's not going to be used – to hit the best of his abilities. Nonetheless, I think we can close the episode right there. This episode went, what, an hour? God. This went an hour. Shoot, that Bill Russell speech was probably about 17, 18 minutes on his own. But, it's, like I said, this episode went about an hour. Yeah, I'm giving y'all a quality episode. A lot of these are going to go long. I, I feel like we're not going to have a 17-minute uh, a, a spiel in, on the NBA community to start the episode. But expect these episodes to be, these kind of episodes with the, the reviews to be longer, um, because especially, like I said, especially with Friday episodes, I could easily just sneak in a pod, pod in, in the episode, like, it could be a half basketball, half non-basketball episode, and it ain't really gonna be, uh, um, like I said, it's not gonna be an issue with it, because y'all, it's, it's weird that these, epi- those episodes, the non-basketball episodes do so much, uh, uh, coverage on the channel or on the, on the podcast. Even the basketball episodes are decent views, but, like, the non-basketball episodes have been some of the most viewed episodes of my podcast. I know I talk about it relentlessly, but it's just crazy to me. Like, a lot of y'all, and, and I feel like that's where a lot of, like, the, the almost 30% of my podcasts listened to by females. I feel like that's where the, the female demographic comes from, is from that episode. No joke. Probably Probably My friends see it too. But it's because they see the non-basketball episode and they're going to click because it's very much clickbait. (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, if you missed the previous 133 episodes of the Zay Combin Podcast, you can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You know me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.